Good morning. I can't see y'all. Let me get the house lights up a bit. There we go. They got me shining up here because they know how good I'm going to do this morning. So um, for those that don't know, I'm Pastor Wade. I'm the associate pastor here uh, at Wesley. And I'm just so glad and so excited uh, to be bringing the message this morning. Um, when I was asked to do this, uh, I guess a couple months ago, I, I was just so excited because I get to come this morning and I get to talk about what that video just said. Talk about how we can change the world. How we are called to do that as Christians. It talks about, we've been talking about rather the, the last few weeks in our sermon series about how we're made for more. That God made us uh, for more than probably how we're living. But this sermon this morning is, is meant to be an encouragement. So I hope that you find encouragement. I hope that you find strength from the words uh, of this sermon this morning. Um, as, as I said, that video talking about changing the world. Um, and I like it. I like that it says that. I like that it says change the world, that we're called to change the world. Because uh, we're not called to save the world. Because that's Jesus' job. We're not called to rule the world. That's God the Father's job. Rather, we're called to change the world. And we change the world through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I didn't just put that in there because I love the Trinity. And we talked about it in the um, Apostles' Creed. But because I truly believe that. I truly believe that it is by the Holy Spirit. It's through the Holy Spirit's strength and help and guidance that we can go about living a Christian life. That without it, we're, we're lost, we're broken. We're not very much of anything without God's grace in our life. We really couldn't do this thing that we're called to do, called to change the world. And by change the world, I think we're called to serve. That we're called to go and do this thing called missions. That at the church, one of the things that we're called to go and do is to do missions. And we're not able to do this without the Holy Spirit. We're not able to do much without God's help. And the same goes for uh, the main character of the book that we've been studying. We've been going through Exodus. We actually started at the the end, and then last week we're like halfway through uh, talking about the Ten Commandments, and today we're uh, up near the front. And the key character in this uh, whole book is Moses. Maybe you've heard of him. You heard of Moses before. There's been a few movies out over the years about his story, about the story of Exodus. And, and Moses is really a, a central character, not just in the Old Testament, but throughout the Bible that he impacts the lives of many. But that's not the case when we catch up with um, him in our scripture today. So let's check it out together. Today we'll be in Exodus chapter 3, uh, verses 7 through 10. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. And I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the, that land to a good and broad land, 
a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Pezites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. God, we thank you for your word. We ask that you would open our hearts and minds this morning for what you would have to say to us. We love you, Lord. Amen. This uh, passage is often called Moses' call. It's his call story. As God is talking to him out of the burning bush and telling him, it's going to be you. I choose you to be the one to lead the Israelite people out of Egypt. Before this call, Moses was a bit of a scoundrel. When I said that to someone this week, they looked at me kind of sideways and they said, you're going to say in your sermon that Moses is a scoundrel? I said, yeah, hear me out. Before this, Moses had gotten into all sorts of trouble. That he wasn't really anything special before this point. He had come to murder someone because he was so mad that he killed them. That he had been in a place of power in his life. He had been in Pharaoh's court. And he had done nothing with that. He had done nothing to help his people with his political power, his political position to help the plight of his people. No, instead of doing something like that, he escapes punishment for what he has done. And he runs away to live a quiet life in the desert. If we were the ones picking someone to be our leader, we probably wouldn't have picked Moses, who at this point in his life, his greatest accomplishment was that God had saved him when he was a child, when he was a, a, just a baby. Put him in a position to help. And he had done nothing with that. Instead, had run away and was content with being a smelly shepherd who liked to hang out on the side of mountains out in the wilderness. Then something happens in the life of Moses, and that's where we meet him. Something happens. He's out there, and he's doing what he does. He's being a shepherd, tending the flocks, and he's up on this mountain, and he encounters God. And in this encounter, everything changes. And it changes not just his life, but the life of every person who comes to follow the Lord. Because without this call, Moses, God would have probably picked somebody else. But we wouldn't have this story. We wouldn't have Exodus. We wouldn't have a lot of the Bible. Our passage starts out with God saying that he sees what's going on in Egypt. He sees his people. And that 
enough had been enough. By this time, the Israelites had been in Egypt for over 400 years. And they were enslaved, and it had gone from just, you know, maybe do these few things to being completely enslaved by the Egyptians. And he said the time was now, the time had come for them to live into the promise. It was time to deliver them from these hands and to deliver them into the promised land, the land promised to their descendants, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so God looks around and chooses Moses as his guy, the one who will lead the charge for the deliverance that the Lord was about to orchestrate for his people. Again, why God picks a murderer, a coward, a nobody to do this makes no sense. Other than the fact that God is in the business of seeing more in people than what everybody else sees. And he sees more in Moses than these things, that these descriptors, these adjectives about him. He sees something more. He sees a leader. He sees a person that will follow him no matter the cost. And he decides to draw that out. Draw that out of him. And he does that with us as well. And through God, Moses went on to change the world. But it wasn't easy, was it? First he had to go back to Egypt and face the possible punishment that was going to come. He had to face down Pharaoh. He was the leader of pretty much the world at the time. He had to go in there and do these things, and, and he's scared at first. He says, "Don't, not me. Don't send me. He even knows that he's a nobody. I love that fact. But God says, I will go with you. I will be with you as you go and do this. And that made the difference for him. After doing this, uh, as they're in the wilderness, the people don't really like Moses very much. They say, you brought us out here to die. It doesn't matter that you just led us out of slavery and uh, we came through the Red Sea and we're seeing all these amazing things. It doesn't matter. You're horrible. Give us some water. Give us some bread. Give us something. They had their doubts in him. They rebelled against him. They, they rebelled against God. And they really didn't appreciate all that was going on for them. Changing the world is never easy as it takes sacrifice and a refusal to quit on the people you are serving. So y'all probably know this about me. I've told y'all this several times, but for those who are new, uh, who may not know, I, I'm a movie buff. I own like 300 movies, so if you need one, Give me a call or, you know, call the office or something. I probably have it. Um, even some weird ones. Uh, but anyways, um, there's this, I can't remember. There's this, anyways, we'll talk about that later. But I like to go see movies. And I went and saw a movie this last year um, that I think is really ties in with what we're talking about today. Um, it's about Churchill, Winston Churchill. 
and it's called Darkest Hour. Y'all have seen it. Some of y'all have seen it. Um, one, uh, Gary Oldman won Best Actor for his portrayal uh, of Winston Churchill. But in this movie, things are really bad. I mean, they call it Darkest Hour because it's truly the darkest hour. Um, the Nazis have run through, I'm going to give y'all a history lesson this morning, but it's in the movie. So if you haven't seen the movie, spoiler alert, you're about to hear the whole thing pretty much. But you can still go see it. It's a good movie. But in it, the Nazis have gone through every roadblock that France and Great Britain have set up for them and saying, don't cross this line and don't cross this line and don't cross this line. And they just kept saying, nope, we're going to do it. So finally, World War II is in full effect. Um, and they're coming into France. And Neville Chamberlain has finally, they're just like, forget it. You're out of here. And they're trying to find a new prime minister. And they, they look around and they're like, who are we going to elect for this? Uh, I know the guy nobody likes. We'll get Winston Churchill. Nobody likes him. We'll put him in here. We'll put him in charge. And we'll see how that goes. And they badger him. And he, he says, you know, on my war cabinet, the people who I want close to me are, are those that don't like me. Because they've been at the front line so far, and he knows that they don't like him, and that nobody wants him, <laughs> which is pretty amazing, very self-aware. But things go even worse uh, before they get better, and the Nazis have finally taken over France, and everyone's saying, you need to make peace with Hitler. You need to sign a peace agreement. You need to sign an armistice. You need to do this. You need to save what's left of our country. There was about 300,000 troops surrounded in Dunkirk at the time, which is another movie that came out around the same time. Interesting how that happened. But he said he's tempted by this peace. He doesn't think that's what he wants to do, but he's tempted by it because he wants to be a good leader and he wants to save his country. But he says the way to save the country is by continuing to fight. And so he meets with the king, and the king says, hey, go and talk with the people. See what they think. And so he goes out, and he rides the subway. He normally goes in the car everywhere he goes. And he goes on the subway. And as he's down there, they say, we got to fight. We got to beat this guy. We got to win. We can't give up. And he comes back with that strength. Churchill does. And he says, we got to we can't do this peace agreement. Takes him off the table, says, no more. We're not going to have peace with this guy because it's just not going to work. He sees that. And he helps to orchestrate with a lot of people the saving of those troops at Dunkirk. And he goes on to tell them we're going to fight on the beaches, we're going to fight in the, everywhere, sand, all that kind of stuff, and we're never going to surrender, that we're going to keep fighting no matter what, because we got to save this world. We got to change this world around us. Churchill helped change the world because he refused to listen to those naysayers and pushed on even in the face of almost certain defeat. I want to make clear that none of us are Moses. We're not facing down Pharaoh. 
None of us are Churchill. We're not facing down Hitler. Thank God. But we, like them, are called to change the world. Our way of doing so is through missions. We're called to serve. We're made in the image of God. We've been talking about this, how we're made for more, made in the image of God, called to love God, to love others, to worship God, to be in fellowship, and now we're called to serve. That's one of the main ways that we can see that God's grace is active in our lives and in the lives of those around us is that we are going and doing as Jesus did, right? That Jesus even said, I have come not to be served, but to serve others. That he went to the least and the lost, and he loved them. And we are called to do the same. We are called to to be neighbors to them, to give them Jesus through food, water, clothing, shelter, building projects, and otherwise. This is something that is in the DNA of the people called United Methodists. As Methodists have always seen themselves not as the true church, but a church with a purpose, a purpose to take seriously the call to love God and to love others and to go out there and to do it in as many ways as we can. And we at Wesley are doing this in many ways. For example, did you know that through the various missions of the church, this year we are on track to give over $150,000 towards mission work. That's a lot of money doing a lot of good. I'm going to go through some facts and figures here because I want to brag on our church a little bit, but also because I keep hearing people saying when we talk about these things that I didn't know our church did that. We have our booklet out here that I will encourage you to look at because it has even more than what I'm going to talk about this morning. But this money that I'm talking about is used for many ways. It's used to help rebuild our area after Harvey, mostly through the Texas Recovery Office, which is located just across the hall in the library, who have rebuilt 22 homes so far, with many more in the works, and have helped countless others in the form of appliances and furniture that were affected by Harvey. That money is going to help the people who need temporary assistance through our Society of Stephen Ministry. That money is going to help fund the Kairos Prison Ministry that impacts the lives of inmates and their eternities as well. Just right down the road at the Styles Unit. We talked about it earlier in the, uh, in the announcement video. That is money that went to help support the Utila mission trip that went down there this last summer to Honduras. That go, that's money that helps an orphanage in Haiti that impacts the lives of several young people. That is money that goes towards our apportionment dollars. I hope our district superintendent and bishop maybe see this sermon because I'm talking about apportionments and that is a fancy word for a tithe that we pay towards the district and conference. Um, it's funny to me, but maybe not for y'all. But in part, these apportionment goes towards missions around our district, around our conference, around the United States, and around the world as well. Talk about 
changing the world, we are doing it as we speak. This money is going towards helping countless lives of people day in and day out. Add to the money the thousands of hours that people are going and doing these things, that they put in these hours to go and do missions in and around our community and around the world. This is done through Helping Hands that goes and does building projects around here. Through the Seeds for Needs garden that is faithfully tended every Tuesday and it, whose fruits and vegetables go to help nutrition services to help those to help feed those who are needy in our area. This is done through the garage sale, who I'm so thankful. Thank you for every person who is involved in the garage sale because y'all do an amazing job. It takes many faithful volunteers uh, to, sell, to, to get the items, to store the items, to set up and execute the sale and to break down the sale as well. It's a big project. And it, what's amazing is that this year it raised $36,000 for missions. I already talked about the Utilitrip, but it's not just the money that was sent to help the Utilitrip, but it also talking about people, six people from our church teamed up with 13 from a church in Georgia. And they did a building project on a school down there, medical missions and pastoral missions. This is done through making and serving meals at some other place every second Tuesday and fifth Friday. This is done through a group going to Sager Brown Depot in Louisiana every year to help assemble the flood buckets. Y'all remember the flood buckets that were here last year? Those are assembled every year in Sager Brown other places as well. And it goes to help out disasters uh, like Harvey and the recent Florence that happened. This is done through and by Sherry Pierce. I don't know if she's in here, but I was just out there, and one of the ones I, I'm going to mention is the Love Lunch Sack. And they were out there during this service earlier making, and they're going to give the meals out to homeless in our area through this thing called Love Lunch Sack. But also, she's, she's ahead of our neighborhood ministries, and she's involved at Girls Haven, Boys Haven, Harbor Hospice, the Gift of Life Fun Run coming up here in a few weeks, Meals on Wheels, and Campus Compassion, which is a program through uh, BISD that has a reading program and other helpful programs. This is done in many ways in our lives as we can truly be the hands and feet of Jesus. My point in pointing out all of those facts and figures is, as I said, to be an encouragement to encourage us in the fact that we are hearing the call that Christ has on our lives to change the world, that we are going and doing these missions through financial giving, through actually going and getting our hands dirty and messy in these ways. My second encouragement is that if you're already doing this, keep it up, keep up the good work. And if you're not, I encourage you to be involved in one way or the other. Everyone can be involved through prayer. Other people can be involved by giving financially. And others can go and be the hands and feet and do that work. Or some of us can go and do all three. But pick one way that you can go and do this, either financially or by with doing the hands-on missions as well. 
Pick one way to do that this year as we go and finish out this year strong. Mentioned the booklet already, but if you haven't seen the booklet, it's also out there um, and it's also online. Remember this. Just as God used the very human, infallible Moses to change the world, so too does he use us to change and impact the world around us. We are blessed so that we can bless others. Please pray with me. God, we are so thankful this morning for the work that our church is doing in and around this area and around the world. We ask you to give us strength as we go and we do these projects. We ask that you would give us your Holy Spirit so that we can do those, Lord. We ask that you would show us the way to impact our area for you, Jesus. We ask all these things in Jesus' name.